bitch, please. Oh, bitch, please, my ass. You want a sandwich? Dig that. Oh, hell yeah. She's a bad Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Before we get started, I want to play a bit of audio and then explain why I'm playing it. For you guys, I mean, to make big putt after big putt down the stretch to eagle the last, how are you able to be so calm when the stakes are the highest? Sorry. Um, I was calm because there's bigger stuff in life than golf. Um, if you look at my ball, we've got, you know, there's a little music note. It's a little faded now, but there's a little music notes on there and, and initials JT, and it's for John Trasmar, our best friend, who's got melanoma and he's not going to make it. Um, and every shot out there today was for him. And when you're playing for something bigger than winning some silly trophy you know uh, it, it puts things in perspective and at the end of the day whether I won here or whether I lost here it really did not matter um, so yeah you know when something motivates you like that whether you make a podiumist about who cares you two guys were college teammates you mentioned John was one of your teammates at Minnesota how did you channel that emotion and not let it drag you down and have this beautiful result it dragged me down. Um, you know, after Friday's round, I shot, I think, I sh what did we shoot Friday? Eight under? Four, eight. Eight, eight under seven. on Friday. Um, and I get to my hotel room and I just break down in tears, you know? So it wasn't that calm all the time, but when I step onto the golf course, I've got a freaking job to do. Um, and that's what it comes down to at the end of the day, do your job. And um, now we can celebrate and cry and um, do whatever you want. But until that last putt drops, you know, it's, it's, it's focus and it's do it for Trazzy. If John's watching right now, is there anything you want to say to him and his family and your Golden Gopher family? Just uh, we love him so much. And uh, I'm still sort of in disbelief what he's going through. And I wish I could take all his pain away. But... Um, we're flying up to Minnesota tomorrow to go to go and see him on, on Tuesday morning. Um, I'll give him a high five then. Guys, congratulations. Thank you. Cheers. I always stated that the reason why I started this podcast is because I wanted to write a book, but due to my autism, not autism, sorry, my dyslexia, uh, I thought it would be a hell of a challenge. So I thought I'd do, just tell my story in a podcast. The people I know, the people I've met, people who touch my life, people that I touched their lives. Well, if you listen closely to that interview, um, there was a golfer that just won a tournament this past Sunday. His name is Eric Van Rowen. Uh, Eric as you could hear, was a member of the University of Minnesota golf team. His caddy 
was also a member of the University of Minnesota golf team. Alex, Alex Gogert was his caddy. And the inspiration for his win was also a fellow teammate who's dying, excuse me, a melanoma cancer, John Trasmar. These three men, young men, were members of the University of Minnesota golf team. I, of course, came in contact with them because I was, in their early years, I was their second in command equipment manager and by the time they left I was their equipment their head equipment manager now I'm not going to say that we were deep friends or anything like that matter of fact my contact with golfers mostly is getting them their apparel and shoes for the year and then uh, giving them balls and clubs and uh, club covers throughout the season but you have conversations with young men and, you know, they all have the same thoughts and wants to play on the, uh, on the PGA Tour. Well, uh, Eric has made it, and that was his second win on the tour, which is going to increase his career on the tour. He moved from 125, which is a on the bubble with playing the rest of the season once the holidays pass to number 60th. So he's clearly secure at this point. Alex tried, didn't make it, but, um, and I think still has a dream, has played a little bit, but for the most part, he's on the bag for Eric. Now there's John. John also has been playing on many tours and, tried through Q school and was on his way back to Q school and thought he had beat cancer and then got the bad news that um, it had returned and not only the melanoma, not only returned, but returned in a big way. It's all over his body. As you can hear, um, Eric and Alex planned to be back in Minnesota today to celebrate the victory and uh, celebrate John, who was their inspiration, but to also celebrate their friendship through college years. You know, Alex and John were from Minnesota, but Eric is from South Africa. But they, as you can see, through their years at golf at the University of Minnesota, have formed a, a clear, tight connection with each other to the point that an, it carried and expired Eric, who was shots behind, and, shot, and listen to this, he shot a 28 in the last nine rounds yesterday with six birdies, and an eagle on the 18th to win the tournament, a long-distance eagle. He credited um, John for the win and said he couldn't wait to see him and high-five him and, and hope he could take away his pain. Unfortunately, with a diagnosis like that, no one can take away your, the pain. But I'm quite sure 
when that ball fell in the hole yesterday, John celebrated like no other, and his pain was a lot less because he was very happy for his friends and former teammates. And again, I'm not saying I was cl close with the golf team. I, you know, I was their equipment guy. I had a connection. But you never know what your connection, how small or how big, can affect uh, anybody. I've listened to that interview now four times. I watched it live because I had turned on golf. I watch golf on Sundays. I don't watch the NFL. I'm just stating. And um, noticed that Eric was fighting his way from fourth to second, then he fell back to third, then he went back to second, then tied for first, and like I said, won it on a long-distance putt eagle to uh, extend his his career. Because if he'd have fallen out of the, the top 125, he would have had to fight to requalify and all the things that uh, needed to get back on the main tour. Well... He's securely back on the main tour. As for John Trasmore, he's been given six weeks to live. He's trying to make it through the holidays. His doctors have been honest with him. That may not be a possibility. All we could do is hope that his wish is granted, but also that the pain stops for him. I just wanted to relay this story at the beginning of the show because all my athlete, former athletes, in somehow, some ways, even the ones I didn't get along with, are important to me because they're interwoven into the fabric of my life. I'll never forget them, and I've always told them this, and some have taken me on it and some have just moved on. I am always here for you, and I will always do as much as I can. I'll be back in a... In a few minutes, after this commercial from Brad, Sean, Bryant, here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. In a world that's racing a mile a minute, a split-second distraction can change everything. I'm Mike Bryant from Brad, Sean, Bryant. Every day we see too many people, heads buried in their phones, unaware of the dangers they're in. Texting and driving isn't just reckless, it's playing Russian roulette with your life and the lives of others. In just four seconds of distraction, you've driven the length of a football field. Is there any text message that's worth your life, that's worth the lives of others? I've been fighting for the rights of the injured for over 30 years, but I'd rather you never meet me in a courtroom. So hear me now. Stop texting and driving. Pay attention. Value your lives and the lives around you. And if you won't, know this. At Bradshaw and Bryant, we're relentless. We won't back down. We bring justice to those that need it. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. With my Bryant on your side, seeking justice for the injured, Bradshaw and Bryant.
And we're back. Well, I've always said, and maybe not on this show, but in life, life as in sports are complicated. And we're about to get into a few stories that are very complicated. But before I get into that, uh, the I'm going to put my foot in my mouth moment of, of this podcast is this one. Here I go again. I'm about to put my foot into controversy, but I guess some people likes it, like it when I do that. Um, it is the, uh, the commercial with Common, the rapper, poet, actor, activist for Verizon and the new 15 Pro whatever titanium phone. Now, they've done three different versions of the commercial. And when I saw the first version, I knew somehow, some way, that eventually there would be an inference of him stealing the phone. Why? Why couldn't they just gift him a phone? Couldn't they just put up how to get a phone? But, of course, again... There's an African-American in the commercial, and either he's got to shuck and jive and dance, or he's got to commit a crime, or he's got to steal. Again, when are we going to stop having to... I don't... I better watch my mouth here. I'm very disappointed in Verizon, and in some ways disappointed in Common himself, for allowing him to be, himself being put in something like that. I know some of you are saying, oh, man, you've really gotten into old man yelling at clouds. But here's the thing. It also gives the inference, hey, young people, do whatever you got to do to get one of our phones. Get it legally or get it illegally. And as much as problems we have with our youth today getting in trouble, why would you infer to them in your advertisement? Get it any way you can. I know, again, a lot of people think I'm stretching things, but I'm not really stretching things. When you're poor, and I grew up poor, and you see things you want, it's a hell of a temptation. And then when you see something on TV that's like putting the devil on your shoulder saying, go get it, do whatever you need. Don't, don't worry about who you hurt. You just need that phone. Poor messaging, very poor messaging by Verizon on that. Well, the story that won't die, and it's not going to die anytime soon because the NCAA and the Big Ten aren't going to do anything. And I'm not going to state what they should do because I'd like for all the facts to come out. And, of course, I'm talking about people call it the Michigan cheating scandal. I call it the Connor Stallions wackadoodle crazy <laughs> manifesto writing self ladder climbing uh, issue or sign gate or whatever you want to call it. As I stated last week, I felt as though this young man was acting alone. Maybe he wasn't acting alone. But it, it sounds more and more that he had started out that way and maybe infiltrated the staff and said, hey, look what I can do. 
for you guys. And, of course, with all the pressure to win and to win no matter how you get it, they, somebody on that staff glommed onto it because he became a paid member of that staff because he had something to give. Now, I'm not saying it was Jim Hobbar. I'm not even saying it was the coordinators. But somewhere somebody is shaking in their boots. Now, Stallions himself, some reports say he was fired by Michigan, and other reports said he resigned on Saturday. Either way, he's out, he's gone. Things got crazier as photos of a person who looked like him wearing sunglasses at night on the Central Michigan University sideline. Now, the head coach of Central Michigan is a former assistant of Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. And there's some thoughts that maybe he was welcomed to their sideline by the coach of Central Michigan. He was wearing a Central Michigan hat, like I said, sunglasses, and a Central Michigan coaching polo. So somebody turned to the equipment staff and said, hey, dress this guy out for us. And he had credentials to be on the bench. As a former equipment manager, again, I'd like to repeat, you don't get a cap, a coaching polo, without somebody on the Central Michigan staff going, hey, dress this guy out. And every equipment manager knows what that means. Get them whatever they want to make them feel comfortable with being on their sideline. There's there's videos, there's pictures of him on the sideline. Was he there to spy on Michigan State? Was he there to give Central Michigan information on Michigan State? Who knows? It's just the story just gets weirder and weirder. But for me, the main culprit is this Connor Stallions. Now Ward Manuel, the AD at Michigan who's on the CFP committee, isn't going this week because more and more investigation is happening at Michigan about this guy, and he felt it was best to stay there. Also, Tony Petiti would be, well, was in town last week as Michigan hosted a, um, the Big Ten field hockey tournament. And Tony was going there, and he thought he would meet with Ward Manuel while he was there on this subject. Now, things have gotten really crazy within the Big Ten because some people, a lot of us are still waiting to hear who pulled the, the initial investigation on this. And it wasn't the NCAA, and it wasn't the Big Ten. Some people think that it might have been a member school of the Big Ten. It might have been several member schools of the Big Ten. Uh, it's, it's not a big secret that Jim Harbaugh is not well-liked uh, by a lot of coaches in the Big Ten. And once this information got out, he's liked by even less coaches in the Big Ten. The uh, But it's just... It would be interesting to find out who pulled the trigger on that. Now, Tony Petiti has met with all the athletic directors of the Big Ten, minus the athletic award manual, 
the athletic director at the, uh, Michigan, and he has uh, had a conference call with all the football coaches of the Big Ten, minus Jim Harbaugh, all the other ADs and head coaches are angry, and they want action now. Now, that would be prosecuting Michigan without all the evidence or enough evidence to, to do so. What are penalties? It could be Jim Harbaugh could be suspended, could be fired. Michigan could be fined. They could be kept out. Well, the, the CFP said they will not get involved, which means Michigan, will, as long as they keep winning, will stay eligible for the college football playoff. So the coaches who didn't, there were six, four to six coaches who didn't feel like they got satisfaction from Tony Petini. Petiti. So after, about an hour or two after they got a, the phone conference call with him, they called ESPN and started leaking things. So does two things, two wrongs make a right in my household that I grew up in? I was told no. But that seems to be the way that the coaches of the Big Ten are going to handle this from this point out. It's going to be interesting. This week, uh, Michigan has Penn State. Uh, James Franklin has been pretty quiet about the subject. Then Michigan has, uh, there's a sandwich game. I don't don't know who that is. And then they, of course, end the season against Ohio State. And that should be very interesting to see how chilly things will be between him and Coach uh, Day, which he once referred to as a guy being born on third base and thought he hit a triple. So it's only going to get juicier. It's only going to get crazier. But let's let the evidence come forth the right way and legally. I know some people say, well, Michigan cheated. So it doesn't matter how it comes out. It should come out the right way, then you don't have a problem. And and the NC2A panel that is investigating want to do it the right way because if they don't and then find out that Michigan didn't do anything, Jim Harbaugh can turn around and sue the NC2A. So let's slow down. Let's not take it personal, schools who have been beaten by Michigan, and let's wait. And it's not going to happen this season. It's probably going to happen in, you know, 2024 when the results come out and one of the penalties happen. And by that time, you know, Jim Harbaugh could be back in the NFL. It's going to be interesting, but let's wait and find out. This past week, uh, the legendary coach Bobby Knight, and I don't use that word a lot, but he was. He's the last college coach to coach a undefeated national champion in college basketball. He has three national titles. He graduated about 95% of his players, but he was complicated. He could be the world's biggest jerk, the world's biggest ass, but then you look at like Landon Turner, who was 
paralyzed in a car crash, and he made sure Landon Turner was taken care of for the rest of his life. He made sure his athletes were not only graduating, but getting business contacts to be set up in life. One of his best former players was Coach Krzyzewski. He played for him at, I believe it was, his school was Army. But, like I said, he could be the world's biggest jerk. I think I told this story before about the day I met Bobby Knight was in uh, the early winter 1981. I was a freshman in college. I was so excited to see him and his act and his Indiana Hoosiers play our golden, my golden gophers in basketball at Williams Arena. And I was there hanging out with the training staff and the equipment staff of the basketball team. And I decided it was time, it was almost game time, and I should probably run up to get some popcorn if I wanted something to snack on during the game, as I sat on the very, very, very far end of the bench. And as I was coming back down with my popcorn, this gentleman, white grayish hair, looked at me and said, hey, you brought me some popcorn. And he dug his big paw in and took a big grasp of popcorn out of my popcorn bucket. And it was Bobby Knight. And I looked at him and said, for that, you owe me an autograph. And he did. And I still have it. It's worthless, but it's my proof that I met the man. My only other, I shouldn't say run-in, but contact with Bobby, as I was still a student work at, at the University of Minnesota, in part, this was before all our athletic facilities got uh, laundry set up, so I had to pick up laundry for the hockey and basketball teams on certain nights to uh, wash their stuff and get it ready for their next practice or game. While I was over at the arena picking up our stuff because we had practice earlier, and somebody said, Indiana's coaching, I mean, uh, practicing. Don't go upstairs because you'll freak out Bobby. So, you know, I did what I was told. In 10 minutes at the time I was there, this ball comes bouncing down the stairs because the, to get up to the floor, you have to go upstairs at Williams Arena. And not only that, the floor itself is elevated. So this ball comes down the stairs and is bouncing. And Bobby Knight starts screaming, If you MFers won't dive for the GD ball, then you can get the F out of my practice. Matter of fact, you get the F out of my practice. Get the F out of my practice now. About 10 se seconds later, Keith Smart. Yes, that Keith Smart, who later hit the winning basket in the, in the national cha championship game, was the player he kicked out of practice. Bobby, they always said, ruled with an iron fist, tons of discipline, and high expectations. Well, here is a quick interview dealing with one of the greatest basketball players of all time and him heaping praise in his way on Michael Jordan. 
First half of our game with Spain in 1984 for the gold medal. We're ahead by 29 points. We've played basketball as well as the game can be played. These kids are going to be a little bit satisfied with themselves. They know how well they play. And when I get to the locker room, I still haven't come up with an answer. I open the door, and the first guy I see is Jordan sitting in front of his locker. Idea light flashes. I say to myself, I'm going to get on Jordan's ass a little bit. And everybody else is going to say, God, if he's upset with Jordan, how's he feel about me? And I look down at him, and I say, Mike, when the hell are you going to set a screen? We got four guys out there screening when you're in the game, screening to get you open, screening to get each other open. Haven't seen you set a screen yet. The only way I get all five guys screening, Mike, is to get you the hell out of the game. Now, when are you going to set a screen? All you've been doing so far, goddammit, is rebounding, passing, and scoring. You need to screen, Mike. Now, Jordan, you've all seen the grin. I mean, it's the greatest grin in the world. Doesn't quite use all of his grin in this circumstance. But he looks up at me, and he grins a little bit, and he says, Coach, didn't I see last week where you said I was the quickest player you'd ever been around? I said, Mike, what the hell has that got to do with you screening? Coach, I think I'm setting them quicker than you can see them out there. <laughs> well, I was flexible enough to look at Jordan and say, then, God damn it, slow him down a little bit so I can see him. This was... <laughs> It, this was halftime of a game versus Spain in the Olympics. Michael played 12 minutes, had 12 points, 10 rebounds, and about the same amount of assists in 12 minutes. And Bobby knew that the only way to keep the fire going was to get at Mike. Now, he didn't expect Mike to come back at him, but uh, he did. They went on and you know won the Olympics and whatnot. And Knight also tells a story about Michael Jordan that the Portland Trailblazers asked him about Michael Jordan. He said, if you got a chance, you need to draft him. And Portland said, no, nah, coach, we need a center. We got to have a center. We already got Clyde Drexler. <laughs> and Bobby Knight said, well, then you should draft Michael Jordan and play as asset center. So... That's what Bobby Knight thought of Michael Jordan. And that goes back to the old saying, the two people that could hold Michael under 30 were Bobby Knight and Dean Smith. So now I'm, uh, like I said, as in life, as in sports, it's complicated. And I've really been struggling with this thought lately. Tommy Tuberville, Lou Holtz, Bobby Knight. Things they have in common. They were college coaches. They were common coaches, college coaches who won big games. They were college coaches who known for winning. They were also college coaches who were very successful because of the talents of African-American males. And why do I bring that up? I guess I'm going to put the other foot in the mouth today, so it's going to be really hard to walk or talk after this show. They all back Donald Trump. And I really struggle with the fact that here are men who livelihood and careers and success were built on the back of African-American males. 
and they backed the biggest criminal, jerk, racist, swindler, you know, insurrectionist in this country. Is it, and I struggled. Was it money? Was it power? Did they get swindled by Donald? I don't know. I've told stories about what I feel about Lou Holtz. And it was, you know, if you strip it away, it's something about urinating and him being on fire and across the street. But I digress. Um, but it makes you wonder what their real thoughts of those young men whose lives they controlled, especially back in those days. There was no NIL. There was no transfer portal. You could transfer, but for, but they could make your life miserable before you got a chance to leave. Were they such authoritarians that they would follow who they think is a great authoritarian? I'd like to know their thoughts on slavery. Well, I know a lot of people probably <laughs> choked when they heard me say that one. Because in a way, so, some people believe that college athletics is a form of slavery. It is the can be the ultimate control, or it has in the past. Let's uh, pretty much say now the control has, the pendulum has swung the other way, and the athletes have most of the control. But it just bothers me knowing that these three men who are called great coaches, great leader of men, who one of them I have no respect for. Tommy Tuberville, I don't know, but I have no respect for him. Bobby Knight, it's complicated. My coaching style when I coached basketball was like him. Now, I respected my players in the sense I didn't hit any of them. I didn't curse at any of my athletes. I didn't throw balls at them or anything like that. No, some of my athletes thought I was the craziest person in the world because I would hold them accountable loudly, but I just really struggle with those people and who they chose to be connected with, knowing that they would have the, the, the ability to make or break young African-American males when their thoughts to back a person like Donald Trump and even in the person of Tommy Tuberville, who tried to become the Speaker of the House and failed. Yes, it was at uh, Auburn University, which is at Alabama, <laughs> which kind of speaks for itself. But still, how can you look those people that you coached in the eye and back Donald Trump? Okay, I'm getting off my political soapbox. I'm not much into politics. My mother always told me to stay away from politics and religion. So I'm getting away from it, and if you people haven't figured it out, just look at the war in uh, Israel and Gaza right now. And uh, it's built on two things, politics and religion. So it's always personal, and it always gets ugly. No easy way to transition out of that topic, especially to go back to my lead story, which was about... Eric Van Rooyen, pro golfer, golden gopher, and his caddy, Alex Gogert, also pro golfer, and his caddy, a member of the same golf team at the University of Minnesota. They're losing a teammate, John Trasmar, to melanoma. 
there in town today so to celebrate the victory and to celebrate John and to celebrate their friendship. I'd like to be a fly, a fly on the wall, but I'm quite sure they're having a good time. I hope that uh, Eric's win has lessened John's pain. I hope that those guys getting together and hopefully other teammates had the, other, the ability to be there is lessening John's pain. I wish John well. I wish that John's pain would go away. And all I can say is I wish you well. Sky you, Ma, and go Gophers. Is that text you're sending so important that you missed your turn? Is that text you're sending so important that you ran the red light? Is that text you're sending so important you didn't see the ball coming onto the road or the child that followed? Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. When you take your eyes off the road for even four seconds, your vehicle travels 100 yards. That's the entire length of a football field. If you absolutely have to text, you need to pull off the road somewhere safe and do it from there. Texting and driving is against the law and can cause serious injury or even death to you and others. Now that is important. We hope you're never injured in a collision, but if you are, please contact us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Going farther with Mike Bryant on your side, seeking justice for the injured. Bradshaw and Bryant. And I'm back. As a the common theme of today's show, as as in life, as in sports, they're both complicated. I know I was all over the place today with my comments and my stories, but um, that's basically where I was. I was comp- being complicated today. As usual, I want to thank you for listening. Tell a friend. They can find me on Podbean, Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, and other outlets. And as usual, I want to thank you and wish you nothing but the best as we ramp up this holiday season. Can't believe the Christmas commercials started on Halloween, but I guess that's where we are now. We're in the last three weeks of college football season. As they say, teams are remembered for they what they do in November. Let it be fun. Enjoy the Big Ten West. No, I didn't say Big Ten mess. I said the Big Ten West. And be good to each other. Thanks and good night. And the JB's Low Tech Podcast. JB is my name and fing up motherfuckers is my game.
heart on. Negro, black, African-American, black, black, black. Django. J.B. Damn. Dolomite. Great God in heaven, you know J.B. Our great Negro sex machine.